He'll never take away my future. He'll never take away my happiness. He'll never take away my character. You wanted the beauty? Take it. You can have it. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Wednesdays with Watson podcast. It is October of 2021, and it is both Breast Cancer Awareness Month and Domestic Violence Awareness Month. As many of you know, I am a survivor of both. I do want to just say that about the first two minutes of this podcast may be sensitive to some listeners. It certainly isn't appropriate for young ears. And if you are currently in a domestic violence situation or early in your healing, you may want to scrub past the first two minutes. But the remainder of the episode is filled with hope of how Audrey got from such a tragic, tragic situation to the place where she is today on TEDx talks, on all kinds of shows like Dr. Phil, Investigation ID, where she is advocating differently. Audrey reminds us in the episode of why everybody matters, even our abusers. And so I hope that you enjoy the hopeful parts of Audrey's story, regardless of how tragic it was for her to get to where she is today. He was the type of man that constantly accused me of cheating on him. He was a controlling man. He was a jealous man, but he never hit me. I left school that day, came home. As soon as I opened the door is when he bum-rushed me, stark naked with a butcher knife. He immediately took me into the garage. He laid me on the ground first and was trying to rape me with a butcher knife to my throat. And I was saying to him, you know, what are you doing? I love you, I love you. He then struck me in the head with a hammer four times. He threw gasoline at me, grabbed a candle, and tossed the candle at me, and I went up in flames. Investigators say it appears Christopher Haney doused his wife, Audrey Mabry, with some sort of flammable liquid and then lit her on fire. I began to pray, God, just let me live, just let me live. I spun up, opened the garage, and ran out. And this neighbor ran to me as I was rolling in the grass and hit me with her son's jacket. That was it. He'll never take away my future. He'll never take away my happiness. He'll never take away my character. You wanted the beauty? Take it. You can have it. And then she told me what Jesus did. Domestic violence survivors know it when they see it. So one night I was on Facebook, and as I was just scrolling, I scrolled past it first. You know, it wasn't the scars on her face or her neck or her arms or her legs. It was like this light in her eyes and the way that they matched the smile on her face. Her lips didn't seem to want to curl up, though. And in retrospect, I bet it was uncomfortable to smile because of the scars. But her smile, guys, lit up the screen. And as she spoke, pure, unadulterated joy came from her instrument. Because you see, her voice box made it audible, but it was the authenticity of her heart that stopped me in my tracks. She was literally doing a Facebook Live from her closet where she was selling some of her stuff, but I couldn't help but think this was a woman who refused to be entrapped in the prison of her pain. No closet could silence her voice, 
She didn't talk about the burns and the scars that night. She only talked about how awesome life was and how it was worth living. And then she said, I believe I will find love again. I believe it will happen. So at that point, I had to know what happened. Because that day, Audrey didn't tell her story. And so I went looking for it. And you just heard part of it. But then she told me what Jesus did. And I can't wait for you to hear it. This by far is one of the most hopeful stories I have ever heard in my life. Enjoy this conversation with Audrey Mabry Prosper, who is spending her life advocating differently for domestic violence. Okay, we are here with Audrey Prosper. And Audrey is um, really, guys, one of my favorite people and somebody with whom I had the opportunity to spend some time in the trenches with. So, Audrey, welcome to the Wednesdays with Watson podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you and just to chat a little bit today. Can I just tell you how gorgeous you look? Oh, well, thank you very much. I thought, you know, I might pull myself together for you today. Yeah, I think <laughs> you, you might be my one podcast that I'm actually able to put on video. So you look gorgeous. Well, Audrey, I don't know if you remember this, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I wanted to tell you and the listeners, too, as just a bit of an icebreaker of how I came to know uh, the Audrey, what was then Mabry story, and is now Audrey Prosper. Spoiler alert, this ends uh, not in a neat bow, but Audrey has a beautiful family and a gorgeous, if I do say so myself, husband. And so she is no longer Audrey Mabry, but Audrey Prosper. But let me tell you how I met you. You've never heard this story. So one night I am laying in bed because I don't have a life on my iPad and I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see you're doing a Facebook live. And this was before some of the later surgeries that you had. And so it was still very obvious that something had happened to you. And so it made me stop. And you were going through your closet. And I think you were at your mom's house in Texas. And I don't know who was there with you, but I was watching it and I was just like, gosh, I wonder what happened. And then you made this comment and you said, I truly believe that I can find and that I will find love again. And I remember laying in bed, and at that time, I was only three or four years out from my own exit of my own domestic violence situation. And I remember laying there thinking, she's insane. You, love doesn't exist, especially after domestic violence, especially after a story like Audrey has. Love doesn't exist. But I kept watching, and then I, I connected with you on Facebook, and then you and I did some work with a organization at that time of which you were the chair, the president of the board, and we just we just got to know each other. And come to find out, the story that the listeners heard prior to in the cold open, the story they heard happened just over a very scary bridge in Florida here. I'm in the Tampa Bay area, and, so, and this happened in the Tampa Bay area. And so I went searching and scouring for all the things and local news stations and all of that and just fell in love with you. And over the years, we've stayed a little bit loosely in contact, but we both kind of really found our lane 
in advocacy for domestic violence survivors, thrivers. If we do watch this on video, I'll just raise this my shirt up. I'm wearing a shirt as a purple shirt because purple is the color for domestic violence and it says survivor on it. Audrey actually made this and it says uh, survivor to surpass all odds with great change thoughts and there's that other word say tenacity so i'm trying i'm yeah i'm trying to read it upside down and so i wore the i wore this shirt for you today and so so listeners did hear your story your horrific story happened in 2009 Mm -hmm. and now you have dedicated your life to the cause of advocacy as have i really But you said something that caught my attention in the prep interview, and and we're going to put everywhere people can find you in the show notes. So let's go back. So listeners heard your story. This happened in 2009. And so you've dedicated your life to advocacy. But there are two words that you say in most of your branding, and those two words are advocate differently. Can you tell me what you mean by that? Yeah, so first and foremost, just, I mean, thank you for the opportunity to sit and share time with you today and to hear you share about, you know, how you came across it in the beginning was just, it was, it was a gift. So thank you for sharing that part too. You know, advocating differently can mean a lot of things for a lot of different people, right? Yeah. Uh, For me, really how this whole thing was birthed, I think, testifies to what it means to advocate differently more than anything else. And that is that, as you know, after um, this attack that I went through occurred, I started speaking out publicly through the media, national, international media, local media. And um, along the way, I started to meet a lot of different survivors. I met a lot of advocates. I met a lot of survivors who were also advocates. And so for the last three years or so, a lot of these advocates who are also survivors Um, and myself would have these sort of discussions behind the scenes. And when we would talk about advocating, when we would talk about domestic violence, when we talked about, you know, the horrors of what people experience, a lot of times we were expressing frustration. Yeah. And that frustration was really rooted in the fact that, you know, I've been doing this 11 years now. In 11 years, the number of people being impacted by domestic violence hasn't declined. Right. That's only one decade, right? When we talk two and three and four decades, you start to wonder, you know, what, what is it that we need to be doing differently? Because apparently whatever we're doing is working in some capacity. I think even more so in the, from the intervention perspective, right? Because advocating is there's prevention, there's intervention, and there's restoration. It's kind of like these three phases. And so I just kept wondering, what do we need to do differently? Well, at the same time, myself and these other advocates were really afraid to openly talk about this. (laughs) And the reason why is because we... We, you know, in the advocacy world, you're, you're, you're taught some things that are kind of like silent lessons. And then some of them are open lessons. One of them is don't try to change the narrative. Right. You know, we have created a narrative that is rock solid. There is a victim, there is a villain, and that's it. We draw the line in the sand and you're not going to change it. Well, what we have found just since we all banded together and said, you know what, to hell with it. If we're not going to be popular when this is all over, who cares? Right. What we care about is reducing the numbers of people that are impacted daily by this thing. 
And so when we have, have um, continued the conversations now around advocating differently and what does that mean, I think first and foremost, it's about shifting the narrative. Yeah. Right. Because this is not, I talk about it in my TED talk, it'll come out soon. <clears throat> this is not an episode of Avengers. Right. Right. It's not a battle of good versus evil where, you know, all we have to do is, is become the hero, swoop in and save the victim and then punish the villain. And we can all live in peace and harmony. Right. Because if that were the case, then you and I wouldn't be having this discussion right yeah. now. So I think that that is absolutely number one. One of the most jarring experiences I've ever had in my life, as you mentioned um, both of us being connected to another national organization in the past. And when I got to experience uh, someone in that organization, basically what, what it came down to was this individual had started the organization, was creating great impact around the messaging of breaking our silence. And we were doing it. We were breaking our silence, I think, in record numbers. Yeah. It was unbelievable how um, this this generation of survivors said, you know what, I'm just going to speak out because that's what matters right now. Um, but then a couple of years into it, her ex who had abused her was now going to court again for abusing the next person. And I thought, wow. All the work that we did in breaking our silence and helping people heal after abuse, more specifically women, it didn't stop him from abusing the next person. Wow. I have chills. So this is the work you're doing now. Yeah. It's changing the narrative. And, and we're, yeah. we, we want it. So we are recording this episode for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It'll be evergreen. It'll be out there forever. And so, guys, if you're listening to this, because what she just dropped on us was, as we call in the audio world, a gem, is we've got to change the narrative. Because one of the most beautiful things, Audrey, that I ever witnessed is your ex-husband, the, ch the father of your children who did this horrific thing to you, is in prison. Yet you, a couple years ago, and this also played out on Facebook Live, had to walk through this process and, and we don't have time to talk about the whole forgiveness process and all of that. But all of that to say is that I could see that shift in you where you were like, you could look in the mirror and see what he had done to you. Not to mention the film strip that goes through your brain and look at your children and see him. But yet it was still so important to you that he also was a human being that bled on somebody that didn't hurt him. And that's hard. And if anybody has the authority to say stuff like that, or anybody has the authority to 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 push advocate differently, and let's stop making it the good guy versus the bad guy. And because my podcast preaches that you matter, I don't care who you are, you matter. I don't care how bad you are, you matter. And so to change the narrative to be able to help the villain, and I'm air quoting when I say that, or the abuser is a beautiful thing. And it's Joel 2.25 being played out in your life where, the, where God says, I will restore the years that the locusts have stolen. And so moving into that though, so for the listeners that are listening, they did hear your story. The stats, like you said, have not changed. One in four women, one in seven men will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. There are good, well-meaning people that are listening to this podcast right now 
and they want to make it better. They want to fix it. They want to enter into the situation, insert themselves into the situation, and help. What is your message? And you know, because we've prepped for the interview, I have some specific questions for you. This, But your overall message to the one in four and one in seven, because again, they heard your story. They're going to see pictures and promos and videos leading up to it. And so you've got authority here to talk to us, to talk to those of us who experience violence in our home by the hands of somebody that we love and who loves us, whether or not it looked like it or not. What's your message to those people? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, domestic violence doesn't always look the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes in many different forms and many different images and experiences. Um, our way out of that toxic environment also doesn't always look the same. But what I do know is that when we are immersed in toxicity, we can't be healthy ourselves. If we have children, we can't be healthy for them. They can't be healthy. Um, the other thing that I would share is that while we need to find a way out, I think that the importance of healing is, <laughs> I mean, magnified. You talked about yeah. forgiveness and, and all of that. And I, I think that it's an, it's imperative for us to do the internal work. Yeah. Um, to understand where and how we got to where we were. I can tell you right now, for me, a lot of mine was ingrained in in not feeling worthy. A lot of mine was embedded in daddy issues, dare I say, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, And figuring out what is it within us, right? It's not not a victim-blaming situation. It's just, how did I get here? Yeah, and how can I stop it? Yeah, and, and how right. did we get here? And and so for the people that experience it, you're not alone, Yeah. right? Um, there are people who care about you, who want to help you. It's a very dangerous situation to exit an abusive relationship that has to be done with a lot of caution and a lot of planning. Um, it's not fair, and it's not your fault, right? Right. That there is you know, a silver lining if you allow it that's perspective, right? In healing. And and also that I'm in no way saying that because I have forgiven that everyone needs to forgive. Um, in my foundational faith belief system, yes, I believe that. Uh, but forgiveness is a choice. I'm also not saying that, you know, I was never angry. Right. <laughs> or I was never depressed or I didn't have anxiety. We're looking at my life 11 years later. You know, it takes time. Yeah. Um, and I am in no way saying we need to all just have compassion for the person who is committing these acts of violence. That's not what I'm saying. Right. Right. So you, you addressed one of my questions is what do you say to the person that just left? It is the most dangerous time listeners out there. Mm-hmm. It has to be planned. It has to be done. What You just have to. And what the, a lot of lay, lay people, and I say that, or people who have not experienced domestic violence don't understand that. All they see is, and this is my next question, why don't we say to people, why don't you just leave? From your why opinion. don't we say it to people? Yeah, why, why is that not a good thing to say to people who are currently oh, in? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, I was like, do we say that? Because I don't say that. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, so we collectively. We, we, like, don't, we yeah. don't say that because... Um, it's like the image, I always have the image of a police officer showing up on the scene 
and them telling you, you know, you're in a dangerous situation, you need to get out of it, and they hand you a pamphlet that has to do with all the DV resources in your community, and you're in a state of trauma. You don't even really know what you're being handed. You're not really even present in the conversation. And quite frankly, most police officers don't understand that what they're really asking you to do is risk your life. Yeah. You know, if you stay, you could die. And if you leave, you could die. You could die. Yeah. And the most, the most dangerous time is after you leave. And so I know in my own story, I left the country, but I took a few more hits, a few more punches, a few more of all the things because I knew that I needed to do it well, or I was going to die. And so I, there were three ways that I, that I could potentially die. I could die by staying, I could die by leaving, but the highest potential of, of me actually dying in my particular situation would have been leaving without a plan, leaving without some safety measures in place. And so listeners out there, especially domestic violence survivors and thrivers, understand that this is the most important part of the entire process, is that you plan it and that you plan it well. And I speak into the lives and the ears of those of you who love survivors of domestic violence, even if they're currently in it, it is just not as simple as you think it is. Because I still love my abuser, who is no longer on this planet. I loved him until the day that I found out that he died of a drug overdose, and I went into a deep depression. Because we, you just don't unlove somebody. And Audrey, I watched you with the process with your husband, who is doing a life sentence for what he did to you or your ex-husband excuse me um is doing a life sentence and you co-parent really well with them and with and i think that we need to highlight the importance of co-parenting and i just want to tell you how proud i am of you for, for that because it would have been really easy for you to go to the judge and go i don't want these boys to have anything to do with this man that did this to me but you didn't do that because you understood the importance of your children are biracial and so that brings in another another layer here because you understood the importance of raising two biracial young men in the United States of America. This podcast is heard in 48 countries around this world and in this one. But we have racism issues in this country. Parents like you are telling young black boys what to do when a cop stops them and all the things. And so it's important also out there, listeners, as Audrey does, is co-parent. She manages to co-parent her two boys, with her abuser who is in prison. And that is admirable, and you need to know that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. One of the things that was interesting to me, Audrey, we preach community a lot on this podcast. And so I just want to give you a chance to shout out this early community. And those of you in the Tampa Bay area, you can easily find this on any of the local Ooh. stations. But there were a couple local organizations that helped you. One of them was, I believe it was Hands Across Tampa Bay, who is that? Right. They're the ones that purchased you the car, if I remember correctly. Uh, yes and no. Yes, yeah. but they were involved. They, right. Yeah, a group of sure. people got together and a car was either donated or deeply discounted or something to you. Mm-hmm. Then you had a doctor. And mm-hmm. I, I, I want to take about three minutes for you to shout out this doctor because, <laughs> because he is amazing and did amazing things. Not just because using his skills, but as a human being, this community came around you. This Tampa Bay community came around you. What did this doctor do for you? Yeah, well, um, Dr. Gulen is a really special guy. And you are correct that the entire community rallied around me. And if there's one thing that I wish that all survivors had, it was that level of support. 
um, because it literally changed the game for me and catapulted me into my healing journey to know that I was surrounded by so much support emotionally, financially, I mean, mentally, people went to court with me. Like it was unbelievable the amount of support in Tampa Bay. And I will always, always be so grateful for that entire community. But Dr. Gulen, um, I was connected to him through another organization that actually did my very first surgery, reconstructive surgery on my neck out of Beverly Hills. And his wife had um, a connection piece and she really is the one that took the story to him and said, we got to help her. Um, Ina is his wife. And basically Ina actually had gone through a fire when she was five years old. So we connected on the burn level. And um, then she obviously brought me in with her husband and, and he, I think one of my, I think actually my surgery, my last surgery was one of the last surgeries he ever did. Like he was getting ready to retire. And this man literally said, come down here. We're two hours south of Naples. I want to see what we can do for you. Let's try to restore and reconstruct as much as we can. We're not charging you a dime for anything. I mean, Ina advocated even beyond that. She contacted the hospital and said, this girl's going to have to pay for her hospital stay. Can you guys write it off? The hospital wrote that off. I mean, it was the anesthesiologist, everything, right? It was an outpouring of generosity and thank God also skill. Because he did an amazing he job really of reconstructing my neck. Most of the world didn't know that I only had half an, of an ear on my left side. He reconstructed my ear for me. Um, he even he even took some fat out of my mommy tummy for me and put it in my cheeks. So I was happy that that was super nice of him. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you look gorgeous, and I'm sorry to hear that he doesn't do surgery anymore because, um, like I. Again, I got to watch the journey, and I'm going to put all the links, particularly to the Dr. Phil episode, because, and I'm going to address, I'm going to talk about that episode in just a second. But, but you were kind of at the very beginnings of the surgeries, and I want my listeners to see from, from what it was to what I'm looking at right now. And so, the one of the other things that is really big in this podcast is counseling, trauma informed counseling. It's one of the reasons why I started the podcast. It's the reason why I'm alive. Did counseling play a role in your healing at all? Yeah, it absolutely did. And that's actually one of the the areas that we intend to advocate differently in. So shifting the narrative is only the first part of advocating differently. Um, I actually went through counseling in the Bay Area. Um, My counselor's name is Danielle, and I love her. I went through two years of trauma-focused counseling. And it was incredible for me to have that safe space. Um, Listen, the, the whole community and my inner circle was so afraid for me, so worried for me all the time I was in the hospital. And so when I came home, I really didn't want to worry them anymore. Um, and they were all looking at me and telling me, you're strong, you can do this. So I really needed that safe space to share the most authentic parts of me and to work through all of those processes of healing. But one of the areas that we want to advocate differently in is is by shifting um, some of the legalities around victims' compensation. I'd like to see the name change first and foremost because some people don't even want to access services that are labeled victim services. Um, But I also would love to see for survivors to be empowered to be able to choose what healing modality they want. You know, when you you go through um, a program like that that offers 
the funding and covers it, you are offered the opportunity for counseling. You're also offered the opportunity for Western medicine, but it doesn't give you the opportunity to maybe go to a life coach because that's a better fit for you or to pursue things like essential oils and supplements and working on your gut and getting your gut clean first, because that's where like the brain gut connection is so imperative when it comes to healing because of that emotional connection. And if you are ever feeling highly emotional, the first thing we need to do is clean up our guts. Mm. So yeah, that's just another way. But uh, counseling for me was amazing. I've also had life coaches in my life and I definitely use all of those oils and supplements and so on and so forth. Yeah. I need to be better about my gut, but, but yeah, same trauma informed counseling. I love that you, I love something you said there is that they get to pick their modality. So mine, the one that worked for me happened to be EMDR, but there's internal family systems and a whole bunch of other modalities. And so survivors out there, you guys know, I preach counseling on this podcast, every single one. And I've had counselors on here. I've had my own counselor on here. And I simply know that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without that. That brings me to the faith aspect of it. And when I was watching that Facebook Live, I could tell that there was something different about you, even though in that particular Facebook Live, I don't believe you referenced your faith or even referenced God for that matter. But is Jesus the star of your story like he is mine? Yeah, the, it's for me, it's the Messiah and it's also the Father. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, my heavenly father, you know, when I was in my most desperate hour, I reached out to him Mm -hmm. and I literally said, just let me live. Just let me live. That's all I want. Just let me live right before going up in flames. And he is the one who got me out of that garage that day. And in fact, you know, um, I don't even remember if I even prayed in the Messiah's name during that experience, but afterwards my experience through him being the star also is me just asking him to show me Chris through his eyes of compassion. Mm. I I knew that if I looked at him only through my lenses, that I would never be able to see what the father saw. And so he did that for me. You know, he showed me, he was the one who showed me that Chris is a human being. He was the one that showed me that Chris had a past. You said bleed on the people who never cut you. Right. He was the one who showed me that. And he was the one who spoke into my spirit to open up the doors of communication between the children and their father. And that was all him. None of that was me, you know, along the way. And it's incredible what he can do if we let him do it. That surrender. Surrender, yeah. Right? And there's this tension between blaming God and letting him bind up our broken heart and our broken wounds. Because again, I have people that listen to my podcast that don't believe in God. And and I love how you worded that. I call Jesus the star of my story, but I believe in the, in the Trinity and obviously the father, like you said, um, who gave Jesus to us and gave his only son so that we could have this freedom so that people like Chris, who's sitting in prison as we speak, if he accepts Jesus as his savior, that's what he did to you. What listeners heard. And he, and he has. And, he and has. He, I prayed for him for almost 18 months straight and he gave his life. Wow. He gave Audrey. his life. Wow. You know? So it's, if you let him, it's amazing what he can do if you let him. It's so... and, and the word, the word says that we're supposed to pray for our enemies. And so when I began to pray for him, quite frankly, he was an enemy. <laughs> He's right. not an enemy today, you know, but he was back then. And I'm just so grateful. I mean, especially 
as a parent, right? I want his soul to be saved, but also as a parent, I need the both of us to be on the same page and in the message that we're sharing with our kids, right? right? And what our foundation is in and all of that. So that was important to me for that reason too. Yeah, I've got such chills because I didn't know that part. You know, in my research for the podcast, I ran across the news report where the cameras are in the courtroom and, and he gave his... Apology. You know what I'm going to call it? I'm going to call it also a victim impact statement. Mm, it was different, right? Right. And and that and that's going to be scandalous to people that hear. But he is a victim too. Because again... Mm. You don't just do what he did, or my ex-husband just doesn't do what they did, or my mom who abandoned me, they don't do what they do because, just because. I mean, we know that evil happens in this world, but when Chris stood there and turned around and and said what he said, and I can put that in the show notes too, I was pissed. Like, I even as early as last night, I was like, really, dude? Like, but it was still so broken, and I think we, so if you referenced the director of that organization and, and that whole thing, and, and, she, and she gave a victim impact statement, and it just made me think, Chris's statement to the judge and to you and to your boys who were really little at the time was also a victim impact statement because he had been impacted by what happened to him. It doesn't make the horrible thing that he did right, but he, too, had been so harmed. And we don't compare traumas. I tell people that all the time. You can't measure it. You can't measure it. And everybody is affected differently and all of that. Well, Audrey, here's what I want to do. I want to end the podcast two ways. First of all, I want to strongly encourage people to go in the show notes, click on Audrey's information. She's got a TEDx talk coming out, which I can't wait to hear. And that comes out in about two or three weeks, right? Uh, about four more. About four more? Okay. I was praying for you through that. Um, but I want you connecting with her. I want you connecting domestic violence survivors. So the way I do it is you're a victim, you're a survivor, and then you're a thriver. And that could be right or wrong. But if you're currently in a domestic violence situation, if you just left a, a domestic violence situation, or if you're like me, it's been 15 years, and you want to heal differently and you want this freedom of going, I prayed for the man who lit me on fire to be in heaven with me forever and ever. Amen. That is only the star of the story. That is only Jesus, that is only God who could put that into your heart. Here's something, though, that you said on that Dr. Phil interview that I want, I want to remind you of. You said, you can take my future, you can take my beauty, but you can't take my happiness. You can take my future you can take my beauty, but you can't take my happiness. And this was just right after it happened. And yeah, that was about a year. Yeah, about a year because after. it's a choice. It we is. We get a, to choose. We get to choose. And things that help us choose is things like community, church, mm-hmm. God. And if we are going to change the narrative and stop the one in four, the one in seven, and I would argue, and I always have argued, that that number is much higher than than it actually is that than is actually reported because that's pe- only what's reported. That's only what's reported yeah. exactly. And so I want to tell you how proud I am of you. I want to tell you that you are making a difference in this world. That you made a difference in my life that night because I was only two or three years out, and my ex husband at that time was still very much alive and very dangerous and all the things. And to hear you say, "I believe I can find love again," and then to watch. 
and maybe that's another podcast, but to watch the love story between you and your, dare I say, don't get mad at me, gorgeous husband has been remarkable. And you are the, you are the epitome of Joel 225, where God is just restoring all the years the locust has stolen. And I want my listeners to get in contact with you. And so guys, go in the show notes and do that and connect with Audrey. And I will also connect some of the interviews. She was on Investigation ID. This story was on. She's been on Dr. Phil several times as well as many other places. But we do, we're not trying to re-traumatize people here. You heard a little bit in the cold opening. But this is a miraculous person that I have sitting in front of me right now. And so, Audrey, thank you for being here with us today. I will be in touch with you because I want to learn how to advocate differently and how to work the other side of it. There is no victim. There is no villain. There are a bunch of hurt people. We're all broken. We're all in need of a savior. We're all in need of a community. We're all in need of just understanding each other and that we bleed on the people that don't cut us. And so even if you're out there and you've been abused, you're listening to two people who have been abused and we don't compare. But Audrey was significantly abused, as you heard in the cold opening and as you can hear in some of the links that I'll share in the show notes. But it is possible. It is possible to be on this side. Even if you never advocate for people like Audrey and I are, It is possible to heal. It is possible to live an abundant life. And it is possible, as you said to me that day on that Facebook Live going through your closet, there it is possible to find love again. And so, Audrey, thank you for being here today. I so appreciate it. I will absolutely be back in touch with you, but I cannot stress enough, listeners, please click in the show notes and get in touch with her. And then when that TEDx talk comes out, that will be published on all of my social media, the Wednesdays with Watson platform, which is everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, also now Patreon. This is a young lady who is changing the world, raising two young men who are changing the world, uh, having loved and forgiven a man who tried to kill her and is living in a beautiful marriage now, though I'm sure not without its own problems because life isn't perfect. But, but, <laughs> but thank you for being here. And I would just like to know any parting words for, for the listeners at all. Yeah, I would say that if we want healthy fruits, we have to um, look at the roots. So whenever you hear something um, that comes across, always start to dig, get curious and dig and and, and uncover what those roots really are um, underneath whatever it is that you're looking at in your life. Uh, Curiosity has been tremendously (laughs) amazing for me. So I'd say stay curious and look at the roots. Stay curious and look at the roots. I love that. If you healthy fruit, you got to look at the root. And so you are absolutely a rock star in my book. And I want you to know you're part of my healing story. And I'm going to end with you just like I do with everybody else, though I know you know this. You are seen, you are known, you are heard, you are loved, and you are valued by so many people, but most of all by an almighty God. So thank you so much for being here today. Amen. Thank you. Well, guys, I hope that you found such encouragement in Audrey's story and especially her heart and maybe of Paramount, her mission to advocate differently. I have to tell you, she pushed me a little bit when she reminded me that her abuser mattered too. And I can promise you that that is something that we will be addressing on this podcast in the future. You know, As Phil Baker's song plays us out of the podcast, that is a song called Marked by You. 
And while Audrey is gorgeous and beautiful, and unless you look really hard these days, you cannot see those scars. But I wonder if when she looks in the mirror, she is reminded of the truth of this song that we've been playing for two seasons now. I just want to be a life marked by you. I wonder if she looks in the mirror and sometimes thanks God for the reminder of his ever-present help in trouble. She truly is a life marked by Jesus. We will be back here next week, as this was a bonus drop, to drop our episode on the Enneagram Type 3 with best-selling author Katie Ganchard. I hope you will join us back here in the Healing Zone as we are using the Enneagram to help us understand and process trauma and continue to move through it in a healthy way. Until you come back next week into the Healing Zone, you know what I'm going to say. You are seen. You are known. You are heard. You are loved. You are valued. Let my life glorify you and teach me to walk beside